Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Friday, September 24th, 2021. Symbols have all kinds of importance in our society. If you see a red octagon, you're going to think, stop. Uh, And also, from those everyday things to religious things, if you see a cross, you're going to think of Christianity. Or if you're driving along and you see a a fish on somebody's bumper, uh, they're going to, you're going to connect that with Christianity. Well, what if you were going along and you saw an anchor bumper sticker? on somebody's car. What would you think? You'd think, I don't I don't I don't know what you would think. Maybe you'd think that person was a sailor or in the navy or, or or something like that. But did you know that along with you know the cross and, and the fish, things we know as Christian symbols, that for many early Christians, one of the symbols they would use, and you can even find it places going all the way back to the first century connected with Christians, is the anchor. The anchor was a symbol uh, used by early Christians. We don't think of that much anymore today, but perhaps we should. And we're going to see why as we dig into Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Hebrews 6, 13 through 20. And let's just refresh our memory with where we ended yesterday. Verse 10, it says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness and to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So it's saying he wants them to be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the problem. And then he's going to go to exhibit A, Abraham. And starting in our verse, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself. So it's continuing that thought from yesterday. And really though, it's not going to focus so much on Abraham and his faith and patience. It's going to focus more on on the nature of the promises, that when God makes a promise, it will be kept. And so in verse 16, it says, for people swear by something greater than themselves. And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So it's saying God cannot lie. So his promise and his oath, I think those are the two unchangeable things, they will not fail. And so our faith and our patience to inherit these promises is based on just the unfailing nature of those promises. Because if it was all dependent on our faith and patience, that would be tricky. But our faith and patience is dependent on the promises of God that are unshakable. And that's why it says then this, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
And so there, as we think about the promises, it says in verse 14, Abraham was leaning on God's promise, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Well, that was a specific promise made to Abraham uh, and not a specific promise I think made to any of us. God's not promising that he is going to multiply you into a great nation with as many descendants as the sands on the seashore, the stars in the sky. But what Paul is saying is he's really, I think, talking about the core promises of eternal life. The core promises of the gospel, that through Jesus Christ and what he has done, our sin can be forgiven, the fear of death can be removed, that the power of sin can be broken, and we can look forward to an eternity with Christ. These are the promises I think he is referring to, but I really think any of the promises of scripture, that those should be an anchor for us. And we think of an anchor as something that holds a ship, right? And when we think of just how stormy the seas of life can be, how stormy the world can be. But in the midst of all of that, chaos in the world, chaos in your personal life, whatever it may be, the anchor that's going to hold us down are really the promises of God. The promise of eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's always going to remind us that Jesus is better. The promise that God is with us, that we'll get to later in Hebrews. He will never leave us, never forsake us. Just the promises that God will work everything together for good. And if our God is for us, who can be against us? These things should anchor our hearts and we should have a strong encouragement. And that really is what's going to help us have faith and patience. So I don't know where you are today, if you're encouraged or if you're really struggling, whether through sickness or through just trials in life or uncertainty about your future or where God is leading or concern about what's going on in the world. You should get through today with a steadfast heart because of the steadfast promises of God, that they are the anchor of our soul. And then it'll develop more this idea of Jesus as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. We'll get into that a little more tomorrow, but I hope the promise of who God is, what he has done for us through the gospel, all the other promises he makes to us, I hope those anchor your heart and help you in the storms of life today. And speaking really of just that peace that we can have and the promises that God makes, it's good for us to now look at Isaiah, Isaiah 25 through 27. And this is a chapter or a section of Isaiah where he really seems to be looking ahead to the future. And we've talked going through Isaiah, how it goes back and forth between salvation and judgment. And also some of this seems to be talking about things that are going to happen immediately or in the near future and some in the distant future. And in chapter 25, I think we see some things that are going to happen in the uh, distant future. But starting in verse six, it says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. 
and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So there is a day coming where we will say those things. And the promise that we can hold on to is someday he is going to swallow up death forever. And also the reproach of his people, any persecution or opposition to the people of God will be done. It goes on. It's this graphic picture in verses 10 and 11 that those, uh, it uses Moab kind of as this symbol here for those opposing God, they're going to be trampled in a dunghill so much that they're like swimming in it. And as you think about that, that's a a strong picture. God is going to deal with those opposed to him and he's going to deal with death He's going to wipe away tears. And it's based on that promise that we need to, as it says there, wait for him that he might save us. And on that day, we'll be able to say we have waited and he has saved us. But we need to look at those promises and hold on to them. And then we'll see in chapter 22, verse 3, it says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. So if you want that peace, obviously one of the problems that we have is our mind is not always stayed on God and on his promises. Often we don't have peace. We blame it on our circumstances when really a bigger part of the issue is our mind is stayed on our circumstances, which are shifting sands, as opposed to our mind being stayed on God and his promises And he is an everlasting rock and his promises are an anchor for our souls. So I hope those things encourage you today. And as you think through all that, that helps us as we go back to Psalm 109 verses 11 through 20. And again, we see David dealing with somebody that was opposed to him and praying this prayer against them. But that's where in those moments where we're tempted to pray prayers like this, um, and we're having problems with somebody else, the, the promises of God should be the anchor that, that keep us from seeking vengeance, which I don't think is what David is doing here, but he is directing his appeals to God. And so what's going to keep our heart healthy in those times? Well, really it's going to be resting on the promises of God that he is going to deal with evildoers and he is going to wipe away tears forever. Let's end today by looking just at a few verses in Luke 21, verses 34 through 38. And as he wraps up this section on eschatology, just look at this verse that he says, verse 34, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. For that day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. Watch yourselves. And so as you think through that, and again, there might be various eschatological uh, positions that Christians hold. That's something that you know Christians will, will discuss and, and debate oftentimes. But one thing that needs to be clear to everyone is we need to watch ourselves. Um, and if our eschatology keeps us from doing that, th- that's probably a problem. But we need to watch ourselves and keep our focus. Christ is coming back. And again, don't let the cares of this life 
squelch that because his promises are our anchor. And let's not get caught up in the world. Let's not try to deal with our problems with drunkenness. Let's deal with our problems with hope that Jesus is coming back soon. So be ready. Be ready for him to return. And so as we think about all of those things, I hope that encourages you. Hebrews 6 has been a huge encouragement to me these last couple days. May we all keep our minds fixed on the promises of God, and may that be an anchor for our souls today. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.